This is Real Estate Rookie Show number 76. And I guarantee you the people that are more willing to show up and to run no matter what hits their face, those are the ones that are going to be more successful because they don't care about being uncomfortable. They recognize that it's part of the journey of becoming successful. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with Tony Robinson. And as we get through this episode, you will notice there is something very, very different about him. Tony, go ahead, break the news. I've got a huge announcement, guys. Uh, as of last Friday, I no longer have an appendix. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, he looks different. He's going to talk different, missing an organ in his body. But, you know, he always says I'm the funny one on the podcast. I really make him laugh. So he had to ask me to kind of tone it down so that I didn't rip his stitches open when he was laughing at my jokes. So it's a real it's like a real world issue for me. Like I I can't laugh too hard. I can't sneeze too hard. Like, yeah, so I'm thankful that you you toned down the comedic efforts on today's episode. Well, actually, I was making him laugh so hard. He actually had to say his computer crashed and leave the episode for the beginning part of it to keep himself from laughing at me. So uh, you'll notice that I completely take over the beginning of the show. But then we have Tony jump back on and magically really appear. Yeah. So we have a really great guest today for this rookie reply. We have Ellen Bennett on and she wrote a book and she is going to talk about how you just need to take action. And we love her story. She is created aprons for chefs. And I know you guys are going to think this has nothing to do with real estate, but Tony, please share with us how our real estate rookies need to listen to this episode. Like you all are going to love this episode. Like Ellen shared so many knowledge bombs. Her book, it's called Dream First, Details Later. And Ashley and I may be doing a little giveaway of these on our on our Instagram. We're coming up here shortly. But so many like specific things she shares, like starting small and how you should go about starting small to kind of get to these bigger goals. The process that failure plays in actually finding success down the road. So there's just so many mindset things. And, you know, like we talk all the time, Ash, like a lot of what holds people back isn't the technical knowledge. It's just that they're afraid. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of making mistakes. They're afraid of setbacks. And today's episode, I think, is the kick in the butt that everybody needs to really push past those fears. Yeah, so uh, enough of me and Tony and his missing appendix. Let's bring Ellen onto the show. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Ellen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. It's bright and early in LA. Well, we want to dive in into who you are. So can you start off telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. I have a company called Headley and Bennett. We are an apron and kitchen gear brand based out of Los Angeles. And when I started our company almost eight years ago, we began as really a custom apron workwear business for just restaurants. And through the years, it's really evolved into this direct-to-consumer brand that outfits not just professional chefs, but home cooks as well all over the world. So it's been an exciting and amazing journey that I just got to summarize into a book that I just finished. And I'm very, very, very excited to push it out into the world. And thank you for sending uh, your book to us too. We've really enjoyed it and going through it. The thing I want you to tell everyone is how you actually started the apron company. It's that moment where (laughs) you realize you were going to jump for it. Yep. It's a moment I think that actually happens in a lot of people's lives. And sometimes you take the leap and other times you stare at the leap and maybe decide you don't want to do it. But I'm a big believer in just doing it and trying and failing and getting back up again. So that is exactly what I did. I was working professionally, a couple of restaurants. I wanted to have my own restaurants and I had gone to culinary school and I had this opportunity that just punched me in the face. Basically, I was standing in the restaurant and where I was working the two Michelin star restaurant. And then at the same time, I was working at another restaurant. So 
fine dining and normal dining at the same time. So you can imagine that was like a wild experience to do that simultaneously. And at one of those spots, Joseph Centeno, my chef, ran up to me and said, hey, there's a girl, she's going to make us aprons. Do you want to buy one? And I had been thinking about aprons and chef coats and how our uniforms were just the worst. The fabric was paper thin. It just didn't look good at all. And being a professional chef is a bit like being an athlete. You got to show up and no matter what comes your way, you have to push through to the end of the evening and get all the dishes out. And I'm also a marathoner and I run, I've done a bunch of triathlons. And when I first started doing that, I had a great uniform. So I was like, okay, great uniforms. They need to exist in all fields. And when he said that to me about if I wanted to buy an apron from this girl, I was like, wait a second, chef, I have an apron company. I will make you those aprons. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, you're a line cook in my kitchen. What do you mean you have an apron company? And I just convinced myself and him right there on the spot to give me that order. And I asked him for his turnaround time. What was he going to willing to pay? What did he need? What did he want? And out of the blue, Headley and Bennett was born with that 40 unit apron order. I love that story. And you didn't even have a company then. You just, you said yes and you were going after it. And I think some people listening right now might be thinking, okay, well, what does an apron company have to do with real estate? But it was that moment there, that moment you took that leap. So why don't you kind of tell us, uh, you know, that experience and how that kind of ties into your book? Absolutely. Yes, I'm the founder and owner of an apron company. I could be selling houses. I could be selling tables, chairs. It doesn't actually matter. That's not the point. The point is that I have this idea or this belief system, right? That is just, you got to just show up and start trying and you have to show up and start learning and doing the work. And when you don't do that and you just die in the details, if you will, it's really difficult to actually make forward progress. And the book is called Dream First Details Later, right? So it's in the title itself. You just need to begin working on the dream before you let yourself stop working on the dream because the details get in the way. And with real estate investors, we always talk about analysis paralysis, getting stuck and overanalyzing. Yes. And I think your book really focuses on that is to not keep doing your research and fine tuning the details. It's at some point you have to take action. So what happened from there? So you said yes to doing the aprons and how did it go? Obviously, you've become successful. You're here today. But what did that look like? How did you plan that out, creating this company from scratch and already having one order with not even really knowing what you're doing to create this company? Totally. So when I began it, it was like order first and then everything else will follow. And there's nothing like a deadline and a timeline that you have to hit that'll get you moving, right? So committing to something that's maybe a little scary is sometimes a great idea for yourself. In my case, I clocked out and I started running all over Los Angeles, talking to different people I know. I speak Spanish fluently. I'm half Mexican, half English. And that was really quite a, I would say, a huge gift for me because I'm in LA and there's a lot of sewing companies here. And they all speak Spanish. So I was able to convince several people to just help me figure out these first aprons. And I did it by asking a lot of questions, being a very curious George and having no ego about it. There was not a moment where I said, like, I already know everything I need to know about how to do this. 
Instead, it was quite the opposite. I was like, I have an order. I have to deliver and I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you help me? I know what I want. I know what he wants, but I need a pattern. I need this. I need that. And I actually bartered a lot at the beginning to get what I needed. And that's a really great way to be resourceful, right? Don't worry about what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. And in my case, I worked at a two Michelin star restaurant. You go to eat at Providence. That's a $700 meal. So I was like, you know what? That is collateral. I can use that with somebody. And I had a friend who's an incredible person. He's a foodie and he's also a designer. And I said, Kevin, help me make this pattern that I have to make for this order that I got. And I will come and I'll cook you breakfast or dinner, whatever you want. And it's going to be epic. You just, you already know it. And he was like, you're right. I do know that. Okay, deal. And so I was bartering my food skills to get things that I needed for that first order instead of sitting there thinking, how am I going to pay for this? Who's going to help me? Worrying, like killing myself with the anxiety of like, what am I going to do? Instead, I just started doing it. And it was by no means perfect, but I strongly believe in progress over perfection. And so I was just every day chipping away at the progress. And eventually I got that order complete. I turned it into my chef on time. But I'll tell you, Ashley, two days, 24 hours, 48 hours after I turned those aprons in, he was like, Bennett, that's what he called me when he was mad about something. He's like, Bennett, these aprons suck. What happened? And I was like, oh. and I had to figure out what the hell to do because I had an upset customer and he was my one and only customer. And I decided that I needed to own it because I created this and I needed to own every piece of it. And as a business owner or an entrepreneur, or anybody getting out there in the world, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to do this and then walk away if things go south. Like, because guaranteed things are going to go south. It's just part of the journey. So I said, chef, give me half the aprons back. I will fix the straps for you. And then while I'm doing that, you keep the other half. And I went back to my little workshop and figured out the new strap system that we have to this day, which is brass hardware and beautiful thick straps from an American mill and they're so durable and gorgeous, but I sort of had a massive challenge ahead with a deadline that helped me get to the other side. So that was also kind of a gift, even though it wasn't comfortable in any way, shape or form to have had that happen. And you learned and you grew from that experience. If you probably would have been successful right off the bat, like your first apron, do you think that you would be where you were today if you didn't, oh my gosh, I have to fix this. You're under pressure, you're under stress, your only customer. Do you think that that was a lesson learned and not even like learning how to overcome an obstacle and having that scenario happen to you? Do you think that made you a better entrepreneur today? I think it made me realize very quickly on that this was not going to be a walk in the park and that if I really wanted to do this, I needed to be a hundred percent all in to this idea. And I was, I was passionate enough to have been punched in the face by this experience and still want to show up again the next day. And that's a differentiator from one person to the next, because, you know, you could be an entrepreneur, a realtor, whatever it is that you are. If there's 10 people, like what is the level of enthusiasm and willingness to show up in each one of those people? And I guarantee you the people that are more willing to show up and to run no matter what hits their face, those are the ones that are going to be more successful because they don't care about being uncomfortable. 
they recognize that it's part of the journey of becoming successful is that feeling. And, and to this day, I'm more uncomfortable than comfortable all the time. And I've just been become used to it. With that, do you use that for people you hire in your business too? So as a real estate investor, a lot of people are working with realtors, contractors, attorneys, you have your whole team. Do you right. look for that too when you're hiring for yourself? 100%. We pressure test that pretty hard actually to make sure that people are entrepreneurial enough and that they are resourceful, that they have no ego. It doesn't matter what school they went to. Like, People don't talk about that in our company. You know, you could go to Stanford or you could go to Notre Dame and nobody knows that you did or didn't because frankly, it's irrelevant. It's like, how do you show up every day? And that is something that's been amazing for us because we have this brilliant rock star world-class team that just doesn't have that ego, is willing to learn and every day is trying to get better. And that is what you want in a team around you. Tony, uh, I feel like I've taken over the show a little bit. Do you want to <laughs> go ahead and jump in? I've been so excited yeah. no, uh, talking no, about absolutely. this. You're, you're killing it with the questions. I don't want to interrupt. So, Ellen, I mean, you know, what are your thoughts on, I guess, like taking that first leap? I love what you said about like just always being uncomfortable. Like how does someone get to that point where they're ready and willing to, to actually take that leap? There is no place or formula for how you start to feel that way. You simply just have to start and do one little thing that is out of your normal day-to-day -day actions, you know, carve out an hour, carve out 30 minutes, whatever it is, but do something that you are uncomfortable about and keep showing up to that thing. And you are essentially building this confidence belt. Every single time you show up, you do something, it's not comfortable. And then you get to the other side and you're like, all right, I did that. And then tomorrow you're like, okay, let me bite a bigger piece off of this apple and chew that even harder. And now I'm going to go bite off a piece of a giant thing and a bigger thing and a bigger thing. And next thing you know, you're just biting continents, right? But you had to start with a tiny little morsel, like a little piece of bread. <laughs> so go small and then grow it up. You don't have to start at huge. If you are doing real estate and you want to begin with it, I'll, I'll give you an example in my own life where I had always wanted to own property and I didn't really know where to begin. And my mother is really into real estate as well. And so one day she just said, hey, there's like a these tiny little cottages in your neighborhood. There's three of them and they're so cute. I don't know, maybe think about getting those. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm only 27, 28. Like, should I really do that? Do I have the money to do it? And I decided with my husband that we could figure out and we refinanced our first house. We took some money out and we got that other property and they put it on the market, but it didn't have any photos. So no one was bidding on it. And next thing you know, we had done a higher bid and then we went and saw the property and there were all these things wrong with it. So then we said, well, you need to take this, this and this off the house. And next thing you know, I'm like negotiating this down and we get an amazing deal on the three cottages and we've had them now for five years. And it's been an incredible investment for us in our neighborhood. Echo Park in LA has gone up dramatically, as I'm sure you guys know. So it was just one of those things where, yes, it was scary. Yes, it was uncomfortable. I had never done it before. I refinanced my house to do it, but it was worth it. But I had to start like thinking about it and trying to do this in a way that didn't destroy everything else I was doing. But I did it and it worked. And now I we've bought many, many other properties because of it. But it was this like little one that I did with my husband 
that pushed me over the edge. And now I do it on my own. I can see from here, Tony drooling over the fact that maybe these cottages are short-term rentals and he's ready to jump into that. (laughs) I'm the king of short-term rentals. uh, We've got quite a few spread out across uh, Southern California as well. But, you know, I I guess I want to back it up a little bit because you commented on something that I thought was really important for our listeners to understand because Ashley and I talk about this quite a bit as well, is that you said, you know, just start small. And whatever the next easiest action is, like, that's what you should be focusing on. Yeah. Like, you know, I I get people that reach out to me that haven't done any real estate deals yet. And they're asking me questions about like, you know, what happens when I get, you know, it's like five deals. Like, how do I get financing after that point? I'm like, you know, slow down. Like, you got to get deal number one done first. Like, you got to (laughs) focus. Right. Like, don't worry about how you scale. Worry about how you get that first one. Yeah. So I guess here's a question for you, Ellen. This is, you know, it's not you're not an expert in all things, but I'm just curious what your thought process is. But, you know, if you're trying something new and you don't really know what that next step is, you know, how would you go about educating yourself? Because I think that's sometimes what holds people back as well. It's like, they're not even sure where to start or where to begin. Like, how do you decide on what that first step should be? I don't even overthink the first step because frankly, the first step is probably going to be the wrong step. So why the hell are you worrying about it so much? You're going to make a mistake. Those first aprons I made were terrible. But if I hadn't made those first aprons, I wouldn't have made all the mistakes that I had to make to get to the next place. And there's a line in, in the book that it says, when you get somewhere, get to the next somewhere. Well, you got to get yourself in the car and get yourself to the first place to get to the next place. So my thought on that is like, what is that thing that is driving you? What is something that you are extremely excited about? If it in this case is starting a business or doing real estate, okay, well then start going to open houses. Like it's not rocket science. Get yourself in an environment where you are around people doing the thing that you want to do and observe them and watch them. Get an internship somewhere, start reading books. Like that's why I worked at these restaurants. I was trying to learn how to run a restaurant. And guess what? I realized I didn't want to have a restaurant, but if I hadn't done that and I had actually gone and gotten a loan and started my own restaurants, I would have spent a lot more money figuring out that I hated that (laughs) before just going and like learning and trying it uh, firsthand, which is what I ended up doing. And then because of doing that, I was able to come up with Headley and Bennett there and went on a completely different path that has absolutely everything to do with food, but yet nothing to do with it's a totally (laughs) different world. Well, I want to ask because even before I believe you were in the restaurant business, you were in Mexico City and you had a different job there. Do you care to talk about that at all? Totally. And I actually think it's really important. When I was going to culinary school in Mexico, my parents were like, that's insane. What do you mean you're moving to Mexico? All of your friends are here in the U.S. You're here. Why are you doing that? And I said, no, I I love it there. And so I moved, which was a wild thing to do when you're 18 years old. And you have no family in Mexico City specifically. And in order to sustain myself out there, I had to get a bunch of jobs. And every single one of those jobs was very bizarre and (laughs) just eclectic, to say the least. I was the lottery announcer on television for Mexico. So I would announce (laughs) the winning lottery numbers. And I was also a host on an American football show, like the token cute cheerleader girl that talks on halftime. And I was also a English tutor. I was a booth babe. There's actually a whole 
layer of what is a booth babe (laughs) oh my gosh it's the funniest thing so you know when you go to a trade show and there's those cute girls in suits that talk to you about whatever the heck that stand is selling that's a booth babe it's literally a babe that stands at a booth ridiculous i know but what was so great about all those jobs is i learned something that i now use in business And so I think that's another part of the journey is recognizing that there's no straight line. It isn't just like you go from A to B to C and suddenly you're successful and then you IPO and now you're a millionaire. No, get over that. Like, that's just not the way it works. I did all these wild and weird jobs that helped me be able to handle negotiations now and that helped me be able to show up and talk to anybody about anything. But if I hadn't done all of those funny, weird jobs, I wouldn't have those skills. So the road takes you in weird places sometimes and just know that like you're learning every step of the way. Now, I love your thought process on kind of just like embracing the fact that you can't plan everything out perfectly, right? Like I'm sure you never would have assumed that your job as a booth babe would have turned you into an author and a business owner at some point. But I mean, I'm sure there's some element of I guess, like planning that action that we should be undertaking. So like Ellen, how do you balance those two things? How do you balance planning for those dreams, goals that you want with also still understanding that things won't go according to those plans? Right. So typically, if I'm trying to do something brand new and very different, I really dream big and hard before I start throwing too much process at it because it sometimes can shadow the creativity. And so if you are trying to do something that's totally unique and different, like whiteboard your guts out, dream it all out, throw it out there and start figuring out, just chipping away at it. Once that thing gets momentum and is starting to actually make sense and come together, absolutely take a beat and start throwing some process at it and planning. But most of the time people plan way more aggressively than they dream. And so what I'm saying is not to not plan. And it's funny you've said that too, because in the book, I talk about how halfway through my journey, I'd say four or five years in, I really recognized that I needed to backfill processes and people and all kinds of things that I was missing. But if I hadn't made those giant leaps of faith at the beginning, I would not have Headley and Bennett right now. I would not have had the, I think, the stamina or courage to do it because I didn't know what I didn't know. So I just started it and I just kept walking. And that is kind of a beautiful gift. It's like the gift of ignorance a little bit. You're like, I have a dream. Let's do this. And then you're like, Ooh, this is harder than I thought, but okay, I'll chip away a little bit more at it. And then all of a sudden it's a business and you have to put processes in. So what I'm saying is dream hard first then do the details later. It doesn't say details never. It says details later. <laughs> I love that. I just want to highlight on that because you you said the kind of the, there's a benefit in being ignorant sometimes, right? And when you think about some like the big companies today, like Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg didn't come from MySpace, nope. right? He didn't come from some other uh, social media network. Jeff Bezos didn't come from Walmart or some other retailer, right? Elon Musk didn't come from Ford or some other company. It's like, these entrepreneurs who don't really know what the limitations are of an industry are typically the ones that come in and shake it up. So I just wanted to highlight that because it's such a true thing that you see in business over and over and over again. All the time. Experience sometimes can be your biggest crutch because you are 
overthinking things or over worrying about it. And yes, like it's good to have a good balance of it, right? Now I have things that I know that I can sit down with another entrepreneur and say, here's the 30 things you just really need to avoid. Don't do these mistakes. <laughs> but generally speaking, just showing up and learning it firsthand is quite good. It's quite good for the journey, I think. I can say like nine MBAs from my nine years of business versus having actually gone to business school. And I know how to run a company profitably. I've scaled it to a multi-million dollar business. We outfit some of the best chefs in the world. We're in every major hotel and restaurant you can think of. And then on top of that, we layered on a direct-to-consumer brand. Did I know how to do any of that? Absolutely not. I have team members that are so brilliant and so intelligent that come from massive corporations like Bain and McKinsey and Deutsche Bank. And they now work at Headley and Bennett with me. And it's this really beautiful thing because you realize that everybody wants to be in an environment where they're learning. Everybody wants to be entrepreneurial, not just entrepreneurs. I think to kind of add on to Tony's point there is too that you see often companies saying that they don't want, especially lower entry positions, they don't want someone with experience because they don't want them to bring their bad habits from another company. And they want to train them from the ground up and create them how they want them to be. But Ellen, if you could go into how do you bring these people on board? How are you building your team and getting these team members to be a part of your company? Totally. It's now a really big part of our organization. And we have a people ops manager who's incredible. And honestly, I don't know how we survived so long without her or all the people that support us on, on an HR level. But it starts with a really fantastic, I was going to say epic because it actually is quite epic. It's a pretty epic onboarding uh, deck. And I walk every person through it when they join our team. And it's about, I think, like 40 pages long. Very colorful. There's background wow. music, arcade fires playing in the beginning <laughs> part of it. I mean, it's a whole thing. And then they get a Headley Bennett apron. They write their name on it. It's like, welcome to the squad. It's it's like you're getting indoctrinated really into the organization. And then separately, we have a big values deck that we walk everybody through. And they're not just values that we like threw up on a wall and never think about. There's things that like actually make sense, like show up never stop improving, make magic. And these are just basic ideas, but that the company uses day in, day out. And so if you want to have a good kind of onboarding, you got to actually do it even after the onboarding is over, right? You've got to say we make magic and then you got to actually show up and make magic. So that's a big part of it. I also just onboarded our new art director last week. And I said to her, you know, I am here to help you feel empowered, but also you need to know that my expectation is that you're going to fail a lot. And if you're not failing, like we're not doing our job. You need to fail and try things and get weird and get crazy and like do stuff that's unusual because that's what's going to push us forward. So don't feel like you have to be perfect or everything has to go according to plan. We are here around you to support you so that you can be creative. And I think that's important to remind people because that is in that like sticky, weird place. That's where breakthroughs happen. 
This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Ellen, one thing that really intrigued me about your journey, your story, is that you actually took your business and you pivoted in 2020. Can you kind of talk about that, how you went from doing workwear and aprons to completely changing what you're producing and how that affected your employees, your company as a whole, and even your mindset to decide to make that shift? Yeah, it was really the most radical thing we've ever done, which is saying something because when you've run a company for eight years, you do a lot of radical things to keep it all flowing. But it's actually, it's the last chapter in my book and it's called Wake Up and Fight. I want to show you the page because I believe it's just very appropriate (laughs) to what happened from one day to the next, decided to wake up and fight. That's exactly what happened. So the day of the shutdown here in Los Angeles, everyone was coming into the factory to shut it down and to send everybody home. And I couldn't believe that our entire lives, uh, here's, here it is. There it is. Very colorful. Wake up and fight. 
we came in and people were walking out of the building, like carrying Mac desktops, you know, big giant ones into their cars to take them home. And it was very bizarre. And I was looking around at our sewing machines and at our entire, these stacks of fabric that we have here in our 16,000 square foot factory. And I couldn't believe we were just going home even though the world now was in a crisis. And I went on Instagram and I saw Christian Siriano, who's a wedding designer. He made my wedding dress. And he was like, I'm going to make face masks because New York is running out of supplies. And I thought, man, this guy's a wedding designer. Like if he can do it, we should do it too. We should help. We can't not. And in that moment, very similar to when chef said, hey, there's a girl, she's going to make us aprons. Do you want to buy one? I was like, we have to make face masks. And I grabbed a piece of fabric. I grabbed my head of sewing and I was like, let's figure this out. We called a friend who's a doctor and over FaceTime basically came up with a fabric design that fit for masks or like a cut out a pattern, just like with the apron. And within 24 hours, we had honed through all the details got it up on our website the next morning through a buy one, donate one model. Mind you, this was a month or so before the CDC said everybody needs to be wearing face masks. So it was pretty early on. Now everybody and their mother literally sells a face mask. But back then, nobody was doing this. So it was kind of crazy to be doing it. And we put it up. I announced it on Instagram. It went completely viral. And people were locked down at home, terrified. Their entire lives were falling beneath them, as was ours, because restaurants had completely stopped, too. And everybody started buying the masks. And so by Monday, this was on Friday, by Saturday, we put them up. By Monday, we were already cutting and sewing face masks in the facility. And for the next three months, all we made were face masks. We made nothing else. We continued to sell our products online. But we rallied so incredibly hard to do our part and just like contribute and look at what we had and not what we didn't have. Remember I said that earlier in the conversation, like talk about that's exactly what we were doing. And I'm like, we've got the wherewithal and the knowledge and the tools and an actual factory in L.A. We can't just shut this down. We're going to help. And to this date, we have sold a million masks and we donated half a million masks to frontline workers, hospitals, children's hospital, foundations like Baby to Baby that served so many different communities that need help, lots of Latin communities, Black communities here in Los Angeles. And it's just, we had to do it. And I'm so grateful for the horribly hard, but really good experience that we got out of it. Ellen, you're you're a huge action taker, obviously. <laughs> and I think this is just another prime example of you doing that to go from, you know, you said you're shutting down the factory on, you know, the middle of the week. And by Saturday, you got your design. And by Monday, you guys are shipping out the new one. So yeah. I love how you don't uh, waste a good opportunity to learn something new. I want to back it up a little bit because you talked a little bit earlier about bringing on your art director and how you you told that person that you expect them to fail early on. That's like such an important life lesson, like in general, you know, real estate investing. Yes. But just in life, like in general, anytime you do something new, you're going to suck at it. <laughs> like I, you know, no one's an expert from day one. And I think so many people, when they go into something new, you know, and I'm talking to our listeners a little bit more, but like, for those of you that 
are thinking about becoming real estate investors, but haven't because you're afraid of that phase of being sucky. Like you just have to accept that those are the kind of trials and tribulations you have to go through to eventually be a successful entrepreneur. Like, you know, Ash, I'm sure when you first started, you made a lot of mistakes as a real estate investor, right? I know for me, like the second house that we purchased, it's turned into a nightmare this year. Like we're doing everything we can to try and sell it. But had I not gone through that process, maybe I wouldn't have bought, you know, the six or seven short-term rentals that we have in the last like eight months or so. So I thought it was a really important thing. I didn't want to pass up on that because everyone needs to understand that failure is a natural part of success. And no one who's achieved extreme success has done so without failing multiple times along the yeah. way. So thanks for highlighting that. 100%. That is actually why well, a huge reason why I wrote my book. Most of it is about that sucky part of the journey. It is not, look at how great we are and how successful I am. It is actually, look at how much sucky things I had to go through <laughs> to get to a place where I was somewhat better than before. And, oh, and now the floor just fell out again. Oh, and there's an earthquake. Oh, and there's there's a swarm of bees. And, oh, it's just a Tuesday. And the entire book is that explanation because if you sometimes notice, if you go to the business book section, a lot of the books are like, and then we IPO'd and then we sold it for $200 million. And you're like, well, how did you hire your receptionist? How did you get a business license? <laughs> like nobody's talking about that because they don't like to talk about the crappy part. So this book is the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beginning and the middle and the squishy, horrible other parts attached to it. And that's the journey. So don't ever be fooled by entrepreneur magazine and Forbes, like it is not a perfect road to success, period. I love those magazines, but sometimes they paint a funny picture like Vogue with skinny people. It's like, you don't have to be skinny. <laughs> you can be normal because that's what the rest of the world's like. Ellen, I'm curious what your thoughts are. And you're not an expert in all things, but you know, I just love your mindset. So I want to share with the listeners. How do you balance kind of using those people that have achieved success as motivation without falling into the trap of like comparing yourself too much, right? Because I think there are times where it is good to look at those successes and, you know, kind of use that as motivation, but how do you not overdo it to the point where you're just like constantly comparing yourself and kind of now holding yourself back? Yeah, it's a great question. And I know a lot of successful people that still struggle with it. And I definitely have to recognize when I'm doing that or if you're not in a good mental state, don't go on social media. Like that is the last place you need to go to recover. Going on Instagram and just being like, oh, my business isn't doing very well right now. Let me just go stare at the fake part of people's lives to make myself feel better. That's just not going to happen. So for one, I'd say chill it on the social media when you are not doing well or you're feeling down about whatever it is that's happening in your journey or your career get out there in the world. Go get yourself inspired. If you are down and out about something, go to the beach, go for a run, like go to the park, look at nature. Just get out of your head is what I'm saying. And at least for me, when I put myself into action, whatever action that could be painting, it could be cooking. I love cooking. It's very therapeutic for me. It gets me kind of snapped out of it. I'm like, all right, you're done. Like, good job. <laughs> you, you, you felt your feelings. Now what are you going to do? Like keep going. And that is just, you feel them, you find them, don't ignore them. And then keep going, keep walking. 
but don't spend your entire time looking at what everyone else is doing or else you're wasting time. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for joining us today. We have really loved having you on the show and taking all of your value that you have to give. But can you tell listeners where they can find out more information about you, where they can get your book, stuff like that? Yeah. So you can follow me on Ellen Marie Bennett on Instagram when you're doing well. (laughs) Don't go on social if you're not doing great. So Instagram, TikTok, Headley and Bennett, and also go to our website, headleyandbennett.com. And that's H-E-D-L-E-Y-A-N-D-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. You can get our book there where you have signed copies, which is very cool. And we teamed up with a local bookstore to distribute them. So really excited about that. And I hope that you pick up a copy of my book, Dream First Details Later. Doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in real estate, if you're in childcare, it really doesn't matter. The idea is that this is going to give you a kick in the pants to just get out there and begin. Ellen, I actually received uh, two copies of your book. So would it be okay if I did a little Instagram giveaway with the other one for a thousand percent? I love that idea. Okay, awesome. Great. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals on Instagram. And my lovely co-host is Tony Robinson, who no longer has an appendix. (laughs) And you can follow him on Instagram at Tony J. Robinson. Thank you again uh, for listening. And we'll see you guys on Wednesday. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.